0: welcome to the occult london podcast this is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic mysticism the kabbalah as well as other topics if you like the podcast please write a review and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to this on as it will really help us to get this message out there also be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show if anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them, so please reach out via Facebook or an email, as I would love to answer any questions you might have. You can find Facebook on the show notes, or alternatively email me at podcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we are continuing on our discussion around the different magical tools of the magician, so the last two episodes we have looked at the sword or dagger of the east so the air dagger Uh, we also looked at the wand of the south or the fire wand and in today's episode we are moving towards the west so we're looking at the chalice so the chalice the cup or the cauldron sits in the west and is really representative of the feminine creative principle Water, compassion, psychic receptivity, and also inner knowledge, and really the sphere of Yesod on the Tree of Life. It's a symbol of abundance and fertility, and the cup or chalice is often used in ceremony, both for libations and offerings, but also to stand empty to signify really kind of the opening up of the self um, to the abundance pouring forth from the inner plains the chalice is one of the few symbols that the majority of students tend to agree on in terms of where it's placed in the west um, whereas obviously you know with the sword and the wand as we discussed previously swords are often put into the south kind of representing gabura and the fire and wand in the east representing that kind of power of the the magus etc um similar to the other tools obviously it did a chalice really is like any other cup so it's not magical in itself it is very much the symbol it represents or the inner energy it represents or the inner processes from the magician that it represents that is important. It's a specially consecrated cup for a specific ceremonial purpose, to represent a specific inner power within the magician. The word chalice derives from the Latin calyx, or the Greek kulix, and it's generally a footed cup designed to hold liquid, Um. The Roman calyx was actually a drinking vessel consisting of a bowl fixed atop a stand that they used at banquets. In Christianity, obviously the chalice is standing up and it's kind of to represent the the sacramental uh, wine that's used during the Eucharist or Holy Communion and has been obviously used for years. It's a long tradition since uh, the biblical commandment uh, do this in remembrance of me and also St Paul in one Corinthians, the cup of blessing which we bless. The first three Gospels also indicate that special rites of consecration attended the use of the chalice from the beginning. So it wasn't until later on, um, when the Romans started to recognise Christianity, that uh, you know gold and silver started to be used for that. Previously, it's probably likely it was like wood or you know clay, similar to. Like in the Indiana Jones film, where they, they look for the grail, and there's lots of different gold, shiny ones, but the actual grail is this is a kind of rough clay cup. And that's all obviously been stoked quite a lot as well by the kind of legends of the Holy Grail that came about, you know, through the kind of Middle Ages as well. As a symbol, The chalice is a symbol of containment, so it's obviously the womb of the goddess, but also the place from which new life emerges, and also which we return to at the end of our lives. So there's a phrase going into the West. And Dion Fortune wrote some really nice poetry around that in her novel, Sea Priestess, when she talks about this um, kind of primal sea which people come from and then you return to. So it's kind of like this symbol of this great mother, uh, this dark dark but also light um, sea of unconsciousness and pure spirit really which you kind of go into and then you come out of and i'll just quote some of dion fortune's poetry she said i am the soundless boundless bitter sea all things in the end shall come to me mine is the kingdom of persephone the inner earth where lead the pathways three who drinks the waters of that hidden well shall see the things whereof he dare not tell shall tread the shadowy path that leads to me Diana of the ways and Hecate Selena of the moon, Persephone And that's from the the sea priestess So obviously we've got these ideas of receptivity we've got these ideas of the place from which life emerges there is the womb obviously within the woman Uh, The darkness for which life emerges, and also obviously the receptivity as well. So, obviously, that exists in all beings. There's the positive and there's the negative. Also, cups and chalices have also been representative of of sharing with others as well. So, obviously, you know, we still have traditions of going to have a cup of tea with somebody, or you know, you can go to the pub and have a pint together, which is very much. uh, seen as a symbol of sharing and friendship and if we look at the shape of a cup you know you could almost say that the the base is almost symbolic of that material world and the opening is really this kind of opening to receive that power or to contain this positive energy which that can then be consumed or become part of something else or form into something else in some traditions such as wicca it's also used in combination with the athame as a representative of the reproductive act and of universal creativity and it's this concept again of what is inside the chalice that's important so what is inside the chalice what is inside the chalice of us Obviously, it sits in the West, which symbolises, you know, water, um, also has this kind of cleansing and purifying element, um, also symbolic of our own bodies containing the sea. And, you know, we're born from water and we return to liquid as well. And if anyone's aware of the Watchtower ceremony or the Watchtower ritual, they say the lustral water of the loud resounding sea Um, which I think is a really beautiful piece of writing to kind of show that receptivity and that kind of power as well. As well as creativity and inner knowing and intuition, it also represents love and it can be representative of this kind of eternal love as well. And that's something William Gray talks about when he says the following, and I quote, "'The cup represents the nearest condition "'to an ideal heaven that we are likely to find on this earth.'" It signifies a spiritual state of sheer love far beyond anything we could imagine with our minds and we might only experience a trace of it with our souls extended to their full capacity. So the cup obviously represents our ability to love in terms of liquidity but also this uh, abundance of, of love as well in terms of this abundance that's out there and it's this real kind of potent Image of this, yeah, abundance of love and gratitude that that exists in the in the world. And if anyone's ever done any kind of uh, gratitude exercises, which are quite popular these days, um, strangely, if you do kind of tune yourself into doing that on a daily basis, you will find that you will start to feel more love and less anxiety about anything, everything really, because it just really kind of tunes you into this kind of abundant. mindset um, rather than a kind of scarcity mindset the cup is also about companionship and friendship as well Um, cheerfulness obviously we have you know trophies are given to people when they win competitions you know football teams rugby teams etc and so it's very much this idea of you know drinking the dregs of life drinking everything down and sharing that abundance that love um with others as well and gray i wanted to quote from gray again because he does explain this really well human existence may be a strange mixture of sorrow and joy both drunk from the same cup of experience but it has to be drained to the very last dregs as i drink in common with everyone i share it with at least i am not alone And this is the cup of companionship with those, others, I would most willingly share it with. I need love more than anything else life has to offer. And without it, I would be empty, desolate and altogether abandoned. This is the cup that brings the blessing of blood brotherhood, which saves me from a solitary sad and miserable state of isolation in my own identity alone. While I can keep contact with the concept, I shall never feel neglected or forsaken by the power of providence. It is true that the cup can be a bitter one upon occasion, but it always brings experience that will enlighten me and bring me good in some eventual way. I may not like this, but I have to learn whatever lessons it is sent to teach me in a spiritual shape for the improvement of my soul, and the enlargement of my spirit. Most of all, I value the inestimable blessing of the blood relationship this symbol shows, that I should have with God and mortals, sharing the communion of a common spiritual consciousness among us all. This is the most precious thing that I possess in my whole life upon this planet. It is all that makes life bearable as an embodied being. Apart from this, what hope is there for our humanity together? This cup alone is everything that offers any confidence in life or holds out hopes of betterment beyond our bodies into spiritual states of Elysian existence. I am therefore holding the most precious, valuable, prized and vital symbol of eventual perfection. May it bless me always. And that's from William Gray's Temple Magic. So it's a really beautiful idea that it's this, um, I like the phrase he says, embodied being. Because if we think about ourselves from that point of view, um, we are actually our own grail or we are a chalice ourselves. So if you have the idea of spirit and matter connected together, then our body is obviously a... Chalice for that spirit as well. So we are our own grail from that point of view. And we can dive deep into that grail and find that inner fire, that inner light as well. And like the grail, there is, it's, it's like it can be good and it can be bad, what you find within that. And, um, you know, there's the myth in the grail legends where it says, each according to his need so you would see in the grail what you needed and sometimes it wouldn't be wouldn't be nice so it would contain something special but it could be good it could be bitter and how much of that liquid can we actually hold so we have the phrase poison chalice which is you know generally means kind of applying to a thing or a situation which seems good but it's not necessarily and that's one of the things that they talk about in, if, if anyone's ever read the um, exorcisms on the Saint Benedict medal, um, which is Benedict of Nursia, who was like a, a famous Catholic exorcist, but he said, Vado retro satana, Nunguam suade mihi vana, sunt mala quie libas, ipse venina bibas, which meant, be gone Satan, never tempt me with your vanities what you offer me is evil drink the poison yourself so it's this concept of um if something looks good it's not necessarily going to be good and the grail itself will often be disguised as something completely different Um, so it's not going to be the something that you think it would be obvious which is very much relevant in terms of the spiritual quest. So the Knights of the Grail would go out into the forest, into the darkness, and to seek the Grail. But often they wouldn't know what the Grail looks like, and you know, you spend years and years travelling around, and you know, lots of um, illusions and magic castles, and um, you know, damsels, etc. And it takes years and years and years, and often they'll realise that the Grail was always there, in the least last place they, um, they expected it. So it's very interesting from that point of view. And we go on our own journey. We go out into the forest to find the grail, but often it will offer us death or like a resurrection and a kind of transformation process as well. So the chalice really, at its kind of deepest level, tells us to, Find that sort of love and become one with that abundance and love and sharing. Um, but it's also about diving deep into the, the waters of wisdom and seeing if you can find that star that's at the, the bottom of it. So I hope everyone's enjoyed this this week's podcast uh, on the chalice. Next week we will be talking about the last podcast uh, tool of the magician which is the pentacle representative of earth and i wanted to finish with another quote or a poem from deal and fortune which i found particularly beautiful sink down sink down sink deeper and more deep into eternal and primordial sleep sink down be still forget and draw apart sink into the inner earth's most secret heart drink of the waters of persephone the secret well beside the sacred tree waters of life and strength and inner light Eternal joy drawn from the depths of night. Then rise, made strong, with life and hope renewed, reborn from darkness and from solitude. thanks very much for joining us this week on the occult london podcast i hope you've enjoyed it if anyone has any questions for me then please reach out via facebook or an email i'd love to answer them Uh, we want to develop this further so please i would really appreciate it if you can rate the show or leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on so hopefully more people can see it and get some value from it also be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk catch you all soon thanks Bye bye